0: And so when we left off on Friday, it was dark. And Saturday is silent, and yet, yet when you get to Easter Sunday morning, John begins his gospel again with, it was still dark. Mary Magdalene got up and it was still dark. And we know that John, as he writes his gospel, utilizes the imagery of light and darkness like none of the other gospel writers do. And John wrote later, and so he had the opportunity to write with a little bit more of perspective and meaning instead of trying to give just a chronological account, John tends to approach this gospel a little bit more thematically. And so in John chapter 3, when Nicodemus uh, comes to Jesus, he comes at night. And later on in John, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And so this light and darkness imagery throughout the gospel is striking. And so you get to the story of the resurrection in John chapter 20 that we just read. By the way, thank you for doing that. If you don't like to read out loud, join the club, and I have to do it every week. But, you know, so we made you do it today. Uh, Thanks for bearing with that. There's something about uh, verbalizing together and reading that together. But John begins by saying it was still dark. And so I just want to remind us this morning that we got up this morning, we got dressed, we grabbed our Bibles, or we tightened our ties, or we, we put on a new dress, whatever it was, and we came to resurrection service. We knew what we were coming to hear no one got up on that first easter morning expecting a miracle no one got up on that first sunday morning expecting an empty tomb no one was getting up saying let's go and celebrate the fact that the tomb is empty they got up recognizing that when jesus closed his eyes in death and joseph of arimathea asked for the body of jesus and he and nicodemus they take and they they hurriedly the only way that at the end of a of a friday that uh, two men did the best they could to wrap up the body of Jesus and they, they find a tomb and they place Jesus in there and a tomb is rolled in front and, and the officials put a, a guard in place just to make sure that there would be no funny business as far as stealing the body and pretending that something happened. And then from Friday night to Sunday morning, about 18 hours, there's nothing. There's sadness, there's sorrow, there's brokenness there's questions, there's all sorts of lament, but other than that, there is nothing. There's no reason for hope. There's no claim of victory. There is no what if or maybe just maybe. In fact, as they get up on Sunday morning, we think of the Sunday as the last day of our weekend. For them, it's the first day of the week, right? The Sabbath ends the week, and now they start off on the first day on Sunday morning. Uh, They get up and they go to the the tomb, but there is nothing in them expecting to sing he lives or hallelujah he arose or from this death I will rise with you. How can it be? There was no song on their lips that way. There was no hymnal. There were no dress clothes. This was simply just the final statement in what had been a three year or longer relationship with this man called Jesus. John tells us it was Mary Magdalene and centers most of the story on Mary. The other gospel writers uh, round this out for us a little bit. Uh, Matthew says that it was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Mark says that it was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James, gives us a little bit more information, as well as Salome. Luke says that it just calls them the women, but says that it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of Joseph and others. So we don't know just how many uh, women that there were that gathered. Uh, maybe they met at the tomb. Maybe they went and Mary, was, Mary Magdalene was kind of the leader of the group. And so representative here, these aren't conflicting accounts. Maybe one gospel gives us a few names and, and some others, and then some just gives us the leader. Almost in, the, in your history books, it would say that when Grant took Richmond, well, it was not just General Grant that did it, but he was the leader of a group that went And so on this particular day, we don't know how many women went to the tomb, but it's important to note that they are not going expecting a miracle. They are going with one final act of devotion and respect and love and care for Jesus. They go to prepare the body for burial. And so what they are carrying are cloths and oils and spices to anoint the body of Jesus. This was the closing chapter. This was not, oh, we hope that we hope that we hope that maybe that possibly this was just the end. Death and sadness and heaviness and sorrow and decay and odor and blood was what they expected to encounter on this Sunday morning. But they go in this final act of devotion, and so it got me thinking this week that, we are here today, that we are here celebrating Easter because a, f- a few Jesus followers, in fact, a few marginalized Jesus followers, got out of bed on Sunday morning. Now, I am not saying that we are here and we celebrate Easter because Mary went to the tomb or because Peter went to the tomb or John went to the tomb. We know that Jesus rose whether or not Mary got up or not. But the reason we have to, s- to celebrate it and that we can root it inside of history It's because Joseph and Nicodemus asked for the body of Jesus to give him a somewhat of a proper burial when all the other custom of the day would have been that when a criminal is crucified and sentenced to death, when they pull them down off the cross, Golgotha is on a trash heap of a mountain just outside of Jerusalem. Most bodies were thrown away because the cost of burying the shame of of who the criminal was, the situation they had placed themselves in, there there was no one there asking for the body of the thief on the right or of the left. Most likely they were just hurled to the side. And so how difficult would it be to prove the resurrection or the point to the resurrection if you say, you know what, I think that I saw Jesus put over there on Friday and he's not there anymore. Instead they could say, We saw the place where he was laid. We saw where they put him. We saw the tomb. There was a guard placed there. What would have happened if Nicodemus and Joseph didn't do what they did? What would have happened if disciples would have just gone home? You know, think about it. If you would have invested money and three years of your life into a new business startup, and the guy that you thought had the great idea and that you placed your hope and your confidence in suddenly not only went bankrupt, but was arrested, and his picture shows up on the newspaper. And on the evening news, how quickly would you run away from that situation? And yet the disciples stay, and they linger in Jerusalem. They don't run back to their hometowns. One last act of devotion. Joseph and Nicodemus and Peter and John and Nathaniel and James and Andrew... They weren't out there because they expected the resurrection. They were there because they didn't know what to do next. And then there's the women. They get up, first thing, and they gather their materials, and they head to the tomb, not in search of a miracle, but in one last act of devotion done unto Jesus. I think that says something to us today. Because if Jesus has come to bring life to the dead places in your life and in my life, then I think the one thing that we can take from these first eyewitnesses of the the cross and of the resurrection is do not give up. Because before they saw the risen Jesus, they saw the empty tomb. Before they ran into Jesus, they ran into the empty tomb because they got up and they did the things, the only things they knew to do inside of that situation. And so some of us, we're in dead-end jobs. We're in broken relationships. Marriages are crumbling. Finances don't look that good. We, f- we feel like we're in a situation emotionally that we can't get out of a pit that we've been walking through. And inside of that, you cannot fix it overnight. But routine acts of devotion done unto Jesus is oftentimes where we best see him, and where he most shows up. Continue to live this kind of resurrection, hopeful kind of life that we're going to continue to invest and do what we know to do next because there's a guarantee of victory? No, but because when we engage in those things, Jesus shows up. Don't give up. Continue to press forward into those places and those circumstances and the messiness and the grit and the grime and the brokenness and just the places that you feel like it would be better to step aside of or maybe it's hopeless to continue to invest in, do not give up. But you know when they get there, there's still doubts. Mary says, can you tell me where you have taken him? The disciples say it can't be true. And even when they recognize the empty tomb that says they still don't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. The second thing I want us to think about is that Easter, we celebrate Easter even with our questions and with our doubts. Because the, you're in good company. The earliest witnesses who spent the most time with Jesus not only did not expect the empty tomb when they went there, but even when they encountered it, it's not like it clicked automatically. There were still areas of confusion, uncertainty, and doubt, and and what if, or how do we make sense of this, or where did they take his body? And they still struggled with that, but it didn't keep them from following after him. Do You know, the foundation of your faith this morning is not a doctrine. The foundation of your faith this morning is not a political party. The foundation of your faith this morning is not the country in which you live. The foundation of your faith this morning is not the character of other Christians. The foundation of your faith is not a Christian leader or a person inside of your life. The foundation of your faith is not even answered prayers we talked about last week. We don't evaluate our faith based on what did you do for me lately. The foundation of our faith is not even having all of your questions answered. The foundation of your faith is the fact that Jesus really did die, and he really did rise from the dead. The foundation of your your faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul says if Christ hasn't been raised, what we're doing here today is just useless. We're just getting together for fun. But if Christ has been raised, it's the power of God to do something inside the circumstances of your life. The foundation of your faith, that's what they begin to proclaim and preach inside of the book of Acts. They didn't say, remember his teaching, remember the miracles. Let me tell you about where Jesus came from, who his mom is, who his disciples are. The foundational message of the early church in the book of Acts is, God sent him, you killed him, God raised him from the dead, and now respond accordingly. God sent him, you killed him, God raised him from the dead, now life looks different because of that. And it's not that all the other stuff was not true or unimportant, But the centrality of the gospel is a God who laid his life down for you, rose from the dead, and that makes life look different because of it. Your doubts are welcome at the cross. Your questions are welcome at the empty tomb. They don't offend God. Easter doesn't mean that we have to have it all together and that everything is buttoned up all nice and wonderful because the first Easter was nothing like that. For many of you this morning, you look good now when you got here, but there were probably some people who were yelled at to get out to the car because it was time to get to Easter and we can't be late today and come on. After all, it's Easter, get in the car. Like, we've, we've been there and we're not there any longer because... We live 100 yards away, so we just go to church, and whenever they get here, they get here. I know you haven't had a wonderful, rosy week where everything just went swimmingly because, after all, it's Holy Week. And today is Good Friday, and today's Easter Sunday, and put on a dress and put on a smile and pretend like life's okay. The first Easter was nothing like that. Your doubts, your questions, your problems, the undone areas inside of your life are welcome at at the empty tomb. In fact, I almost wonder if they're required at the empty tomb because that's the message that we get. Which leads me to third and finally. I think Easter reminds us, and we celebrate Easter because uh, we're reminded that God is at his best when life is at its worst. You would not rip written the script to say that God sent his son and and he came and he taught and he healed and there was a great following, there was expectation, there was all this hope. And then, by the way, he went into Jerusalem and he was arrested, crucified, buried. Amen. This is not the way that you would have written the script, but the horror of the cross makes possible the glory of the resurrection. That the words of scripture, sorrow may last for the night but joy comes in the morning, that God is at his best when life seems to be at its worst. I get the privilege, and I do think it's it's a privilege, even though it's a heavy moment, to sit bedside with people either just before death or in the middle of death or with family just following death. Do you know that death has the opportunity to shift an entire perspective within a room? All of a sudden a meeting that you could never schedule in order to go out and see mom, now that meeting has been handled and taken off your calendar and it's okay because you're there. People go seven, eight, nine, ten hours without eating and they're not even thinking about it because they're just there holding dad's hand. Nobody asks questions about who mowed the lawn. All of a sudden life begins to reset and and not that any of those other things are wrong but just... Something simplifies when you're dealing with life and death issues. Because I think death brings into perspective what's really important about relationships and about life and how we evaluate things. There's a change of perspective and a change of vision inside of those moments. In the face of death, even death on a cross... Jesus offers a new perspective that the people that you have lost and see no more, one day you will see again. That the places inside of your life that seem like the deepest value, valleys that you'll never get out of, one day you will look back on them in your rearview mirror. The situations and the circumstance that you don't see a way out, eventually God will lead you through a way out. In the times where it seems like God is most silent, Perhaps then he's doing his greatest work that you just cannot see yet. And Easter reminds us, as Paul says, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below Indeed, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord because of the resurrection. Let me remind you today, instead of the routine acts of devotion, even when it seems hopeless, do not give up. With your questions and with your doubts, They are invited. In fact, they are almost required. You bring them with you when you come to the empty tomb. And Jesus is good even when life is not. Jack read for us at the beginning of the service that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. It's interesting that those two things are attached together, resurrection and life, not just for Jesus and not just for us in eternity, but I think the resurrection reminds us that that life-giving God is the one who lives in you. And day by day, whether you see it or not inside of your life, he is the one that is bringing new out of the old, things that are alive out of things that are dead, newness out of things that are just stale, that he is the one, he is the resurrection and the life, and that is taking place in you whether you recognize it or not. So don't give up. Do not minimize your questions or your concerns. And hold on to the fact that when life is at its worst, worst, God is at his best. The agony of Friday and pain and defeat gives way to the silence and the uncertainty of Saturday. But bursts forth with the resurrection and the hope and the victory and the power of Easter Sunday morning. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and at work in you and in me. And if that's the case, there's reason to be people of hope today. Let's bow together. This morning, Lord, we are grateful for the cross. We're grateful for that demonstration of love that you laid yourself down, your life down for us. But Father, today we are also here, we are here as A Sunday people, a resurrection people, who recognized that the grave could not hold you. Death could not contain you. You were not defeated. You were not silenced. And so we thank you today that the same power that raised Jesus is alive and at work in us. And so if there are dark places that we walk through, Lord, would you remind us that you're good and that you're with us and that you'll carry us through. If there are places where we just continue to serve and it doesn't seem like there's any light at the end of the tunnel, Lord, would you give us the perseverance just to keep doing it because we see you best and most inside of our devotion unto you. And Lord, with our questions, our areas of uncertainty, the problems and the obstacles and the things that have happened and our greatest fears, Lord, would you help us not to set them aside, but to bring them with us to the empty tomb. Father, I would pray today if there's anyone here who doesn't have a relationship with you, Lord, amidst all the obstacles and the concerns and the objections, Lord, would you remind them today that they can follow you even when they don't have it all together. Lord, that when we come to the empty tomb, we recognize uh, who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, I pray that today might be a day of life for someone. Lord, I want to thank you for all that you've done for us, for the privilege we have on East, this Easter Sunday 2019 to recognize that there's hope that's ours, there's victory that's ours, there's life that's ours, because what, what you've done on our behalf and for us. We ask and we pray these things in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen.